It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, please turn to the Word of God with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll read verses 17 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Let us hear God's word. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have, have, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Lord God, we come into your presence through the blood of Christ, and we ask you that you would please speak to us, change us, conform us more into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. I want to speak to you about two schools this morning, the school of this world and the school of Christ. And that's, uh, I think, what Apostle Paul is talking about in this particular passage that we've just read. Because he uses words like understanding, ignorance, learning, teaching. And let me tell you this, that all of us, and I mean all of us, 100 out of 100, uh, have been students of the school of this world. All of us have been the students of the school of this world. Some of us, sadly, are still in that school. But when Apostle Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, he's addressing them as the students of a different school, the school of Christ. And he's reminding them of that former schools where they used to study. So let's delve into this passage and see what Apostle Paul is saying. He starts in verse 17 with this. He says, now this I say. And then as if that was not enough, he says, and testify. And if that was not enough, he says, in the Lord. So it's almost uh, like, you know, it's almost like uh, Apostle Paul is saying, it's, it's not me just speaking. It's not me just testifying. It's me speaking and testifying not on behalf of myself, not on the ground of my experience and my status, but in the Lord. He's not speaking his ideas. He's not sharing his thoughts. He's saying, I'm speaking to you on behalf of the principle of this school, Christ himself. I'm speaking on behalf of him. I'm speaking his message. It's not something that I thought about. No, it's his message that I'm proclaiming to you. And here is what he's saying. 
He's given them the command. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And the question that we have in our minds is, of course, how do they walk? What, what do you mean, Paul? And he goes on to explain that. He says, don't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You see, their minds are futile. Everything they pursue or do is useless, fruitless, worthless, barren, empty, ineffective. Why? He goes on to explain. He says, in futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding. So they do not know what they do. They don't understand why they do what they do. They study in the school of this world, and they follow the curriculum of the school of this world, but they don't know why they do that. They accomplish the assignments that are given to them by the school of this world, but again, they don't understand why they do that. And isn't that what we see in the world around us? People pursue different things in the world, but they don't really think about why they pursue what they pursue. For example, many people pursue success. Success in business, success in family, success in the ministry, but success for the sake of what? Is that why God created you? Is God impressed with success? Is he impressed with successful people? Does he look at a successful person and says, wow, that's really impressive. That's why I created you. No. God is not impressed with successful people. God is impressed with only one thing, the cross of Christ. What his son did, that's what impresses him. And if our lives are not revolving around what Christ has done and who he is, it's barren, it's fruitless, it's worthless, it's empty, it's ineffective. It's futile. You know, some people pursue strength. But you know, all of us, and I mean all of us, We'll come to a point in our lives when we'll probably need someone else to help us to get out of the bed. And I'm not, uh, and I'm not saying that we don't have to uh, maintain our bodies, like you know, or um, maintain our strength, or uh, have our brains trained, or careers ma- maintained. No, I'm, I'm, I don't want to leave an impression that I uh, want you not to do anything. But what I'm saying is this, that you need to know why you do what you do. If you're working out, if you're keeping your body healthy, why are you keeping it healthy? For the sake of what? If you run regularly, why do you run regularly? If you eat healthy food, why do you eat healthy food? For the sake of eating healthy food? So that you can create like a club of, you know, organic food eaters or like, you know, runners and all your life is just revolving around that. It's not why God created us. Some people pursue beauty, probably especially women. Like, you know, trying to just stay as beautiful as they can outwardly as long as they can. But, you know, no matter what you do, uh, like, you know, if you're trying to keep everything up, it will slide down eventually. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just the reality. That's how God created us. And again... Why are you pursuing that? Like, what do you want to do? To impress others and God with 
how you look, <laughs> it's futile. That's what Apostle Paul is talking about. He says, there are many students in the school of this world and they follow the flow of this age, you know, the, the spirit of the age, the, the trend, the trends of this culture. But why are they doing that? They never, it feels like, you know, they never think about why are they doing what they're doing. There is no understanding in what they do. Then he goes on to say that they are darkened in their understanding, but not only that, they're also alienated from the life of God. So everything that's related to God is alien to them. God is not in the picture. Life according to God's precepts seems foolish to the students of the school of this world. Life in reliance on God's promises seems weak to the students of the school of this world. Life that takes into consideration the warnings of God seems not fulfilling. For example, if you see some of your friends or relatives, I don't know, doing some things that this culture deems as right, and you are not there with them, they would say to you, why are you not with us? Let's, let's, let's go. Let's have fun. You say, no, but God gives this warnings. I cannot go there. They're like, ah, your life is so boring. It's not fulfilling. You see, Apostle Peter addressed that in 1 Peter 4, verses 3 and 4. Let me read it to you. He's saying this. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. It's like the description of our age. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see, they are surprised. They look at you and they're like, you don't want to go party? What's wrong with you? But you you see, deep inside, why they then malign you, deep inside they know that there's something wrong with what we're doing. And that's what Apostle Paul is speaking about in this passage. He says, you know, these people, they're alienated from the life of God. Whatever they do is futile, it's worthless, because they don't do it for God. You know, it's like, uh, let me give you a couple of illustrations. It's like, you know, you, uh, you hire a salesman and you expect much from him. And he has many meetings. Uh, he's got, uh, he makes a lot of phone calls every day. He goes out, presents, and every time you see him, he's busy doing something. But then at the end of the year, you check his sales and there is zero. Like, you know, he hasn't sold anything. And you think, uh, okay, maybe he's building Customers base, something. So I'll give him another year, another year. You know, he's always busy making phone calls, meetings with people. But then again, at the end of the second year, zero sales. Will we still keep him? We'll probably fire him. And it's similar to the illustration, the parable that Jesus gave when he said, you plant a tree, God plants a tree, you are the trees, and he expects fruits from you. And if he comes and there is no fruit, He waits, comes another year, again, no fruits, 
he waits, but if there are no fruits, third or fourth year, he'll cut it off and plant another tree that will bear fruit. What is the fruit? Fruit is the life that is lived for the sake of the gospel. Life that is lived for the sake of God. When God is central, when you decide where you live in relation to what God says, like, you know, whether church is located, when you decide where to go on vacation because, you know, you take into consideration what God says in, in his word, when you decide where to work because you think about the Lord, when you decide whom to marry because you look at the word and you see what he says about that, all the decisions of your uh, life are directed by what the Lord speaks in his word to you. That's the life that God wants you to live, and that life will bear fruit. But these students, the students of the school of this world, they're alienated from the life of God. And Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on and gives another reason. He says, they're darkened to their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Oh, so they're just ignorant. There is just lack of understanding. So how can we blame them? We cannot blame them, right? If someone doesn't know something and does it out of ignorance, we should just tell him, right? We should just inform him of what's going on. But you see, their ignorance is not innocent. There is not a student in the school of this world who's not there willfully. That's what Apostle Paul Says He says, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the, their hardness of heart. It's because their hearts are hardened that they're ignorant and oblivious to the truth that is in Christ. It's that, that's the reason why they're still in the school of this world and they follow the curriculum of the school of this world. And that's what Apostle Paul speaks about in Romans 1. Romans 1 verses 21 And following, he says, for although they, addressing the whole humanity, although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. You see again the same word, they're futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. You see the same language? Hearts, understanding is darkened. Hearts are darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, all people on planet Earth know that God exists. That's what Romans 1 speaks about. Everybody knows that God exists and not one decides to honor him. So the ignorance that Paul is speaking about here is not innocent. It's willful. We don't want God to tell us what to do. We don't want him to come and say, that's the way of life. No, we want what we want. I want to be God. I don't want to let God be God. But thankfully, God is God, regardless of whether you let him to be God or not. But that, that's, that's the condition of the most of the people in the world and of some of you who are sitting here this morning. You're just darkened in your understanding. You don't know why you do what you do. You're just like, you know, 
go through the motions, follow the spirit of this age. Maybe it will work out. And you see, we cannot change that ourselves. We need God to operate on our hearts. Our hearts are hardened, and we need God to replace our hearts of stone with the hearts of flesh. And that's what God does in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. When Christ died on the cross for sinners, and when He lived a perfect life in behalf of sinners, He provided everything necessary for that surgery to take place. And then God stands and says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will perform that operation. I will give you a new birth. You will become a new creation in me. And that's what Paul is speaking about later in verse 20. You see, he says that the students of the school of this world, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's because they don't want God. But that's not the way you learned Christ. He says, it's not how you learned Christ. And you know, I spent a lot of time studying this uh, particular phrase, and I still can't wrap my mind around it. It's just so... (laughs) It's pregnant with so much theology, with so much about God. And the language is strange, right? We don't learn people. We learn subjects. We learn ideas, right? But here he says, you learn Christ. Not learn about him, not learn from him, not learn of him, but learn him. And that's a good translation, by the way. It's not just like, you know, some misprint or the bad translation on the part of ESV translation team. No, it's, it's a very accurate translation. We learn him. How is that? Oh, it's like you uh, get to know someone. You see, Christianity is not, first and foremost, about some rules and regulations or some teaching that you try to take and apply it to your life. No, no, no. Christianity is about the person. It's about learning Christ. God revealed himself in his son. And that's how you learn who God is. You need to get to know him. So how can I learn Christ? I need to meet him. I need to listen to him. It's like asking how I can enjoy Christ. I know how I can enjoy a movie. I know how I can enjoy an ice cream. I know how I can enjoy a trip. But how can I enjoy a person? Or here is how. You can enjoy a person when his personality is winsome, when his character is noble, when his attitude is commendable, when his words are reliable and trustworthy, when his deeds are noble and merciful and filled with grace. That's Christ. If you have such a person among your friends or relatives, you want to spend time with them, right? I came all across the ocean, you know, to do that speaking tour. And then I wanted to spend some time with Jeremy. Why? There are many qualities in him that I love. And I just I just love spending time with him. He's my friend. And. uh, How much greater is. Jesus. How much I know that everything I love about Jeremy is. 
what, million times greater displayed in Christ. And every love and kindness I receive from believers is the reflection of Christ's love and kindness towards me. And if I know that that's who my Christ is, I want to learn more from him. I want to spend more time with him. And uh, it's like, you know, when you love someone, you don't just spend time with that person on Sundays from, like, you know, 9 to 11. Okay, I love you very much. See you next Sunday from 9 till 11. If you love someone, you use every opportunity to be with that person. You'll sell everything to be next to that person. So Christianity is not uh, about some list of rules or regulations. It's about the person, the person of Jesus Christ, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And here he explains, he says, we, that's not how we learned Christ. And then he, 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 he tells us about that learning Christ. He says, assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him. So you need to hear about Christ. Do you remember those soldiers that were sent to arrest Jesus and bring him to Sanhedrin in John 7? And when they heard him preach, <laughs> they just came back and said, sir, we couldn't arrest him. And, and, and the guys, the high priest and uh, the scribes, they're like, why, why couldn't you arrest him? Like, you know, did he oppose you? Like, you know, did he do karate to you? What? Is, no, we heard him speak. What? We heard his words. And after hearing him, I mean, how can we lay hands on him? And they said, nobody spoke like this man. Millions of people throughout thousands of years are caught by the words of Jesus. And they cannot leave Jesus because they've heard him. And you're hearing his words today and every Sunday. When somebody is preaching to you from the word of God, it's Christ himself speaking to you. You might think, oh, it's Dennis speaking to us right now. No. I'm just a mouthpiece of God. In Ephesians 2, look with me at Ephesians 2. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 17. Ephesians 2, verse 17, Apostle Paul says to Ephesians, and he, referring to Christ, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Wait a minute, Paul. Jesus never preached to Ephesian church. He was already in heaven. He ascended. You preached in Ephesian church. How can you say that he came and preached peace to you? It's because Apostle Paul fully realizes that when he's preaching the word of God, it's God himself speaking. He said the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He said, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. So basically, Apostle Paul is saying, the words that you are hearing coming out of my mouth are not the words of man. They're the words of God himself. God is speaking to you right now. 
So don't think that, oh, how lucky was, were those people who heard Jesus speak when he was on earth. Christ is still speaking. Christ is still saving. Praise be to Christ. Then he says one interesting thing. Look at this. He says, you were, so you've heard about him in verse 21, and then he says, you were taught in him. Again, like, what, who speaks like that? What kind of grammar and logic is that? Like, taught in him? I'm not, I'm not taught in someone. Right? I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm taught by someone. <laughs> but again, it's not a mistake. That's the preposition that is used in Greek, in Christ. And it's so right. You know why? Again, because it's not some outward teaching. If your Christianity is only about coming to the teaching of Christ and trying to apply this teaching to your life, something is wrong. Because Christianity is about Christ indwelling you by the Holy Spirit. He's in us and teaching us from inside out. It's, that's why he became incarnate. That's why second person of the Trinity, God the Son, came down to this earth and became man. So that man could be drawn back to God. He knew that no outward teaching was able to change us. Because we are sinners deep inside in our hearts, like I just told you several minutes ago. We needed God to operate in our hearts. And in order to do that, Christ had to die and rise again. Because by that, he provided everything needed for the surgery. So we're taught from inside. You know, it's, it's not just some teaching that it's outward. The Holy Spirit is working inside of us. The word that you are hearing right now, it's not the word about Christ. It's the word that is Christ. I'm not preaching about Christ. I'm preaching Christ. He's present in his word. He is working inside your hearts and minds. And I don't want to pretend that I know how it all works. But if he created everything out of nothing by his word, I trust that he can recreate me and conform me more into the image of his son by the same word. It's powerful and it's at work in us. You're not feeling like, you know, some mechanical changes in your brain or in your heart. You're like, oh, I'm transforming. No. But that's the reality of what's going on inside of you. You look the same. But you're different. That's what the Bible talks about and that's what apostle paul goes on to say in verse 22 he says 21 and 22 assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to paul to put on the new self created after the likeness of god and true righteousness and holiness so what Apostle Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, students of Christ's Christ school are different kinds of people. They're different species. Yeah, you look like humans, yes, and you are humans, but you're different. You see here when he says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and to put on the new self, he's not giving you a command. 
grammatically, if you look at this passage, and logically, if you look at this passage, that's the basis for his command that he gave in verse 17, that we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Why? Because you've put off your old self and put on the new self. It already happened. Let me prove it to you from another passage. In Colossians, Apostle Paul is given a similar command, and in Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10, he says this. So he gives the command. He says, do not lie to one another. And then he gives the reason, the foundation for that command. He says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, you are a new person already. You have put off the old man, as it says in the original, anthropos. You have put off the old man, and you have put on the new man. So you are a new man now. And everything I'm telling you to do, not to walk like Gentiles do, not to lie, is a command to a new man that is being perfected and brought into conformity with the image of the Son of God. So all the commands that you read about in the New Testament, they're the commands to already transformed and regenerated people. These are the commands to the new race that was recreated in Christ by what he did. So don't think that these are imperatives. And he's saying, okay, for you... In order to become a true Christian or a true believer, you have to put off this old self and put on a new self. No, that has already happened. And he's, he's basically saying live according to your new status. You are not a student of the school of this world any longer. You are a student of Christ's school. So live accordingly. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Apostle Paul says, you are a new creation. In Christ, when you hear the gospel and when you repent of your sins, when you recognize I'm weak, I'm a sinner, I do not live for what, Christ, for what God created me for, please change me, transform me, save me. When he does that, we are recreated from inside and we become new people, new creation. We enter into that new creation through Christ and it's not outwardly visible. We still look the same. But this change takes place. Let me give you some illustrations. When I was thinking about illustrations, I thought maybe I should give an illustration of like, you know, a person who was homeless and who used to like, you know, uh, be dressed in some dirty clothes. And now it's a new person and he's been given like, you know, really good attire, like good dress. And so don't go back to that old lifestyle. Don't put on the dirty clothes because you've been redressed. But then I thought, you know what? It does not match the magnanimity, the magnitude of what happened. And, of course, every illustration will not match that. But here is a better one, at least to my mind. Uh, It's like as if we used to be fish, and then Christ recreated us into humans. We're now humans. We used to be fish, and now we're humans. We used to have gills, and now we have lungs. So he's coming up to us, and he's saying, I address you on behalf of Christ. Live like humans live. Stop trying to swim under the water. You'll drown. 
You don't have gills. You've been given lungs. So stop trying to live like Gentiles do because you've been recreated. You're a different kind of person. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. You've put off that old lifestyle. You've put on a new lifestyle. But many of you, including me, would say, Hmm, Dennis, but I still struggle. I'm so drawn to this old lifestyles. Like, you know, how, how people live around me. I just want to live like them. And I, what is this? It's, it's like this. It's, you see, we've been regenerated. We've been changed from inside if we are believers in Christ. But we're still in these bodies. We're still in this sinful world. And we keep thinking, but I used to enjoy that. But I used to have fun when I did that. I, why not do that? Because I remember, I think I felt great when I did that. But it's not true. And Apostle Paul God himself is telling us, it's not true, it's all lies, it's deceitful. You see, he says in verse 22, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You have certain desires, but they're deceitful. They do not deliver on its promises. But you see, you, you, you still have that, like, but I remember, I think it was good. That's why... We have to be renewed, as it says in verse 23, in the spirit of our minds. Constantly. That's why you're sitting silent and I'm speaking. You are being renewed right now in the spirit of your minds by the word of God. When the word of God is preached and applied to your lives, that's when the renewing of your minds is taking place. That's when lies is like, you know, pushed aside and the truthfulness is embraced. Through the proclamation of the word of God. That's why the word is central. We have to sing the word. We have to preach the word. We have to see the word in the ordinances. It's all around the word because we have to renew our minds. How do we do that? We just remind ourselves about what Christ has done. So please don't live your Christian life like trying to conjure up some strength or power inside of yourself. No, look at Christ and follow him and he will lead you. It's just inevitable. We are his workmanship. As it says in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us in Christ. We're his We're already seated with him in heavenly places. We're different. We're humans. We're not fish. Don't try to live like fish. You'll die. So he's like, you know, he's just addressing. It's, you know, addressed to holiness, like, you know, to be holy. It's like a call to your common sense. Wake up, Christian. Just think about who Christ is and what he has done for you and live accordingly. That's what... I see here in this passage, that's what, that's what Apostle Paul is doing here. And you see, this renewal of our minds is very critical and central. Because we live in, a, in an anti-intellectual world, right? Everybody says, just, just do it, right? Just do it, Nike. Just like, don't think, like, if you feel like doing it, go do it. Just be active, like, you know, do something. 
Like, trust your feelings. Just be yourself. It's like, you know, uh, we're drawn by our feelings, desires. But you need to know this. That your feelings, your affections, your motives, your desires, and your will to act is based on your knowledge. For example, whom to love, why love that person or that thing? Why do you know that that's a good thing to do? Because you saw it in the movies? Because your friends told you? Because you heard that from someone? So there is some knowledge that undergirds that, right? There is some knowledge that is basis of what you do or feel, right? Whom to trust? Again, I will trust him or that institution or that organization or that church. Why? There is some knowledge that is behind it, right? So it's based on knowledge, trust, love. Feelings. There is some knowledge behind it. And now ask yourselves, where have you learned that? Has Christ taught you that? Or the world? So if you are one of those who realizes right now I'm not in Christ's church. I'm not in Christ's school. I'm in the school of this world. I want to tell you that you need to come to Christ and ask him to pass admission exams for you because you will not match the standard of the Christ school never. You will not be able to pass admission exams into Christ's school. What he requires of you is that you feel your need of him. And that you come to him and say, I, I, I don't have nothing. I, I mean, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I clean and I ask you, O oh Lord, please teach me. Help me. Save me. Lead me. Guide me. I want to learn Christ. So where do you study? What are you learning? Which school are you part of? I hope that you learn Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come into your presence through uh, the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even though you've transferred many of us from that school of this world into the school of Christ, we still so often want to go back to those deceitful desires. Lord, please remind us of who you are, of how noble, how trustworthy, how reliable, how beautiful you are, and how much you love us. Help us to see Christ and learn Christ 
and be found in Christ. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you will hold us fast and that you will finish the work that you have started in all your children. It's in the name of the one who loved us and gave himself for us that we pray. Amen.